Hey, Steve! Hey, Chris! So, we've been playing a lot of games lately, haven't we? We have. And neither one of us playing the same thing as the other, have we? Not at all. Not at all. Um, I actually posted uh, earlier, last month at this point, um, what I called Tourist Season, which was me kind of going over a bunch of games I played throughout the year, most of which I didn't have much to say about, many of which were like a little disappointing kind of a thing. But today we're talking about what we've been playing most recently with, let's start with you and the familiar Persona 5 Royal. I know you've been playing that, and we will have a spoiler episode on that sometime next year at this point. At this point. Very soon. So soon. Soon. It'll, it'll be, maybe we'll have enough time to do a Persona 5 episode and then we'll have like our year-end wrap-up or something like that. I don't know. Maybe. We'll have to Depending see. Depending on, on how fast I get through it. But anyway, yeah. So this has been... This has kind of become a bit of a slog at this point, but um, I'm, <laughs> you know, 80-some hours in um, at what I, I believe to be the second-to-last dungeon. Um, and I, I really, overall, I, I like the game. I'm, obviously, I've spent over 80 hours with it, so I clearly like the game. I wouldn't I would have quit at some point if I didn't like it. But I think the final dungeon actually demonstrates... The game's chief vice, and to, as to why it didn't have to be a hundred-hour game, there's it's ultimately there's this repetitive nature to everything. So part of the the last, obviously, like each of your companions has ten levels to level up, and one of the things that made that notable was there's actually one with only five. Yes. Um, who's a, an add-on for Persona 5 Royal, for the Royal Edition. And it made me think, I wonder if some of these other ones would be better if they were five. Yeah, if there were fewer because... Like the, the arcade, it, the kid in the arcade, or the... Um, yeah. Stuff like that, if there were more of them, that's one that, that's, that they, stands out. They don't really show up until late. Their storyline, like the story arc, you see where it's going as well. It doesn't need to be dragged out as far as it is, because um, you you end up having these choices to either do those kinds of little storylines or to ignore like your actual like the people in your party. You're in the party, but anyway, so that's I mean that's one way it, it manifests. But in the last dungeon, there's you have to get five letters of recommendation. And I'm on the third letter of recommendation. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? The way that this is set up, three letters of recommendation would have been plenty. Yeah, rule of three would have been fine. They did. They gave you sort of three different looks at the at the process and the, a couple different little mazes. Three would have been a perfectly fine number. and But then it has to be five for some reason. And so it just feels padded out to get to the end of the dungeon. And it's I think like everything throughout the game is like that, where the things you need to do ten times, maybe some of them you could have only done five times or Yeah. Or and so on, where it's it just makes the game longer than it needs to be. Well it's not help too that it's got a sort of gimmick for the dungeon in between each of those recommendations. Where you have to kind of swap form I'll just say swap forms. You have to go do like a, a form oh, that can't fight. Yeah to a form that can fight between each of those recommendations. 
And traditional game design education, you know, tried and true methods of game design teach you that you introduce a mechanic, then you introduce twists to those mechanics. And when I'm thinking back, I'm trying to think if they ever introduced any twists to the mechanics that they don't. Between, at least, at least so far, what I've gotten through, all it does is there's an added layer of complexity, but not a twist. So you, right, you, you can toggle between the the rooms where you're vulnerable you can turn those rooms off and yeah. then you need to be but you need to be vulnerable to access certain passages yeah. that connect and that's the thing it's about unlocking doors and creating more doors to unlock isn't necessarily a greater challenge it just drags it out and that's the route that they kind of go that's what makes i think this you're right second to last dungeon kind of frustrating is that you have to keep it's like the gimmick's not too bad at first it's like okay this isn't bad it's interesting it's different it's new but then by like the fourth time you're doing it the fifth time you're doing it it's like this has gone on too long and it's funny that you bring some of this up because my brother and i had actually watched someone go through half-life 2 for the first time and as classic of a game that is one of the things that me and him realized like especially looking back is how many of those areas last too long um, th so this seems to be like a, tr like, this is like a problem that's more than 20 years old at this point. Oh uh, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's certainly as old as, I think once we got the technology to make bigger levels, I mean, you can go back to, uh, the original Doom, where, yeah. you know, the, there were some cool level designs, cool areas, good, good use of, um, you know, surprising things and other things but essentially all of the levels boiled down to find this key card take it to this door use that to find this key card to take to this door to find this key card to take to this door to exit the level insert surprise monster closet right it's, it's for a monster closet or surprise plat moving platform or whatever yeah and and that's essentially the entire game where i haven't done a recent replay I played it, um, you know, there's always people, maybe like, probably 10 years ago at this point when somebody had released a, you know, update to the engine that had free mouse look and stuff like that. And yeah, Lassad, for Doom, Doom, yeah, yeah, for the original Doom. And yeah, it just, it's, so yeah, so this is, this is a problem that goes way back is how, what's the sweet spot in making something the right length that it's enjoyable that you get to play out all of the different mechanics and yet doesn't it remains fun yeah and especially i think part of the problem too is persona 5 is doing what a lot of jrpgs do these days which is they're creating the fake out tokyo xanadu ex plus has this even before you get to the ex plus content like the original psp release of the game had a fake out final dungeon final boss mm -hmm. and then it's like oh you thought but now here's the real rest of the game and it's like with persona 5 royal it's like you get that feeling you get that sense but it's like if that's the case it's like can't we just condense this a bit because it get, it's also one of those things and i think it's also again prevalent in jrpgs where it's like oh, this is the final dungeon, therefore it has to be really long. And it's like, actually, if you really want to build that exhilaration, you want to make it like 
fifth, maybe 15 minutes of really, or like in an action what? game, what was 15 it? minutes of really intense, awesome action, or in um, a role-playing game, maybe less than that. But like, you want to have a constant pace going, and then here they're like, five recommendations. So, you're just like, yeah man, this is the last dungeon, this is it, we're gonna get into the final boss. Five recommendations, okay, we're completely stalled out now. And yeah. It's like, I feel like I also just referenced this earlier. Yeah, I referenced this tonight because you're, you're playing Avengers. But, like, Transformers Fall of Cybertron, which I did a video on, because that game's last level is maybe 30 minutes, but you're jumping between both Decepticon and Autobot mm. characters from throughout the game. Each has different powers and abilities, so you're able, like, you're doing one big battle, but you're seeing all perspectives, and it's basically a lot of boss fights or just quick horde modes, but nothing takes too long. So it's just this constant momentum of going forward that feels like, yeah, man, I'm at the end of the game. I'm at the end. It's yeah. all exciting. It's oh, all. It's there was something I played recently where the final the final stretch was just like an epic boss rush. And I can't think of, of what game it was. Epic boss rush. Uh, that could be a lot of games. I know, it can be a lot of games. Mega Man, it's a huge trope. Um, Final Fantasy does it a lot as a trope. Uh, you'll go back and fight all the bosses again. Yeah, I, I don't know. We were, it could have been, I, I, I don't know what we were thinking. We were talking about it. Was, was it something you were playing with your kids? or? I'm not, I, see, I just, I, I'm totally blanking right now. I remember having the conversation, I, at least my kids were watching some of it, because I remember having the conversation with my oldest, about the fact that we, yeah, that the ending of the game was like boss fight, boss fight, boss fight, boss fight, and it was awesome. Um, messenger, Raj, you played Raj, yeah, no, yeah, it could have been, we could have been talking about the messenger, um, about, I'm not sure, it wasn't the messenger though, it wasn't the messenger, and, and, anyway, okay. yeah, but there's so, yeah, and I'm sure the final, final dungeon will be different, but this is actually becomes a way that I don't know. The so going back to Persona Four, there were just the dungeons were just essentially the further you get in, the longer the dungeon is, basically. Yeah, that's the funny thing about that is evidently the um, the underground. I forget what they call it in Persona Five, the alternate realm kind of a thing in the sub. Oh, um, uh, mementos. Mementos. Yeah, that's evidently closer to what the dungeons were like in Persona Four. And yeah, you, you told me this, and I, I've been watching a buddy of mine, uh, Post Mesmeric. He's been streaming on Twitch, per, uh, play a Persona 4 Golden, and watching those dungeons, it's like, I actually do like what they did with Persona 5 better, because but but at the same time, it's it's like you still are trying to like we're just gonna pad this out, and that's well. So what what the what the part of the challenge is too that. So with something like, um, okay, so like like the way that the getting the recommendations typically is working, right? So you got to walk around, talk to everybody, find the right person to talk to. Now they're going to have some kind of thing for you to do. So then you got to go talk to somebody else that you probably already talked to. Yeah. And then like, there's like these back and forth talking where after you've done it a couple of times, I'd almost rather just be mindlessly plowing through a horde of enemies or something like that to get to the end at some point. I don't know. I can see that because again, it's a matter of momentum. And right. while you know you, you'd be losing momentum gradually, 
by having these cutscenes where you talk to these guys, it's like everything stops. And on one hand, you can view it as an attempt to change the pace. So it's like, all right, we're going to give you a break from the dungeon crawl, so we give you some character interaction, maybe a little bit of laughs, you know, kind of um, moments. So you're you're doing something different for a little while, but at the same time, it's still like because you, your mind is in this idea, like it's like you're, I'm in the dungeon, and I need to. It's like I want to get to the boss. I'm almost done the game, and I want to, and that's where again, like I'm I'm, I'm glad I I saw it coming that I I knew it was like there's going to be more than this. Because if I didn't, then it's like, oh man, I'm going to be beating the game, I'm going to be beating the game, and... You're kidding me, how much more do I got of this left? What else do I got to do? And it's like, you have like, like, no, like, you're, you're yeah. well prepared that you're like, I'm 80 hours in and I'm ready for 100 hours. Like, yeah. you're in a good position to know that it's like you're getting there, but you're not actually there. Yeah, because I, well, I know, I, I've kind of figured out that it seems like these Persona games probably have... I haven't played three yet. It's been it's on my list at some point, but there's Might there's definitely a, a formula to it where, you know. So I, I don't know. Am I allowed to do Persona Four spoilers at this point? Um, I just got it on the Steam sale, so no. Okay, no Persona Four spoilers. Uh, even though it's gonna be hard to do a Persona Five conversation with no Persona Four spoilers. Is it? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of interesting parallels between. Like you know, who ends up being the 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 bad guy in four versus five, mm. and the way that the different things the games are trying to say. But anyway, we can we can move on. We can move on. So so you've been playing. What have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing a lot of stuff right now. Though the big JRPG I've been going through is uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, I've been I've been spending a lot of time in Chapter Five. Evidently, it's a long chapter, and it's also where you can do a lot of side quests. Um, but it's, I'm, th this is the kind of like, this, this is the change up in a franchise that really helps, I think, because they have, let me think, seven games in the main line, like Yakuza 0 through 6, and then you also have Judgment that all largely play the same, and you'd think the fact that they all take place in Camarocho, uh, and of course some other, uh, pseudo cities, you know. You'd think they'd all like kind of get tired, but it actually is more like being in a familiar neighborhood. So there's actually something really cool about that, but it's like I learned last year that you don't want to do too many at once. Because I went from Yakuza 0 to Yakuza Kiwami to Judgment, and by Judgment I got a little burnout, I needed a break. Um, I did play Kiwami 2 earlier this year, but with Like a Dragon, because it's a role-playing game instead of a sort of brawler, a street brawler, it gives it a very different feel while still also being familiar. Interesting. Because you're still... So, I was going to say, what, what attracted me to, to Like a Dragon... So I I played like a demo of one of the Yakuza games. Or maybe it was on PlayStation Plus, and so I downloaded it, and I played some... I, I forget, I played some... I just wasn't really... I'm like, this is like an interesting game, but I wasn't really into the combat. And, um, you know, there's some of that. And it's felt, the characters felt kind of like generic. And so that's one of the things that. Mm, but they're not. But Well, I, they're not on, on the surface level. On the surface level, I could see. Right. Yeah. So, so that was one of the things that attracted me to like a dragon is there's a little bit more personality being exuded from the character designs. 
in Like a Dragon. Yes, the characters themselves are actually all really good so far. I was actually very surprised. Like, I wasn't sure how I'd think about what I'd think about the protagonist. But Ichiban Kasuga is a big dork, and it's wonderful. I've, I've watched a couple cutscenes. I, I like the one. Are you playing in Japanese with English subtitles? I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. Have you seen the the whole thing with? There's I guess a, there's a short side quest where you run into somebody who speaks only speaks English who's asking for directions. Yes. Yes. And the English version and this is the Japanese version. It's, I don't know. Like, like that kind of cracked me up. That, that they actually do get an English speaker to uh, come in and voice the guy looking for directions. So it's kind of funny, but yes, they have the Japanese guy come in and it's like, yes, go light, then go straight, or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And it's like, it is hilarious, but it's it's also like, it is a perfect example of the over-the-topness, because the guy's like, because you have these different um, skills, it's like Persona, where you have yeah. the different, um, like the five-star skill system, I can't yeah. remember the name, but like kindness is one of them. Uh, I, yeah, you're, um, anyway, yeah. But they have something like that in Yakuza, like a dragon, where you have kindness, you have charisma, you have style, you have all these different things, you have intellect. And um, you can go to this sort of school where you can take exams, which I can't really do yet because they're expensive, but you can take exams that you answer like a multiple choice questions, and you can give a boost to those stats, a pretty hefty one. But it's like all, it's all kind of explained, I guess you could say, through the scenario where this really dorky guy is like, yeah, I'm great at English. I have like 50 certificates in this many different topics. And he takes you in. And it turns out he's just got the hots for the receptionist. And he's trying to like show off in front of the receptionist and like get on her good side by recommending people. So it's like this whole, like, like it's a perfect example where like, we're going to come up with a game mechanic, but the surrounding narrative of it is just going to be right. the silly over the top thing that helps make the city feel alive still. Um, but no, what's really what's really good about it, because it does have that typical Yakuza, like, you've got the crime story, you've got the over-the-top silliness, which, because our protagonist grew up playing Dragon Quest games, he's he, he absolutely loves Dragon Quest, and it inspires him, he wants to be a hero. So you have silly stuff, like, they come across this, like, nail bat stuck in, like, a cement block in the sidewalk, and the two guys can't pick it up, but then Ichiban, he's able to pick it up and pull it out, and that changes his job class. <laughs> so, and then you go to the temp work agency to change everyone else's job class is kind of a thing. So they're able, so they take like these tropes of Japanese role-playing games, reinterpret them with the Yakuza silliness, um, and yet the, the 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 drama, of course, works really well when they they knock it out of the park. But what really works for the game is the combat it is turn-based um mm -hmm. combat the menu is kind of like playing a uh, super mario rpg on the super nintendo with a bit of the um the persona like style but the mechanics aren't like persona when it comes to weakness and stuff like that but there is still an element of you know when you knock an enemy down you want to have your compatriot really quickly go and attack them before they stand back up or if they're positioned right, you can have like one character charge forward and knock like, a whole bunch of other guys down on the way there. Um, so there is some positional stuff. The downside is you can't really control your position at all. 
it's all like random movement and number generator. So by the time you start inputting a command, things may change. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, well, I only hit one guy instead of three of them. Um, Is but, that like, I'm trying to think, of, what was the one? I mean, am I thinking of Final Fantasy 13 maybe? Where like the abilities you would use affect your positioning, but then like sometimes certain attacks, even though your positioning seems kind of random, certain attacks have a like affect you based on your positioning and stuff like that maybe 12 uh, or 13 might be like that yeah either one of them could be but no like the, the 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 thing is like the way the combat rolls it's that sort of like this feels traditional this feels a good old-fashioned japanese role-playing game mechanics it's not overly complicated um they didn't try and change everything around they just tried to make you know your basic simple Japanese role-playing uh, system, but at the same time, it's got like a modern sheen or polish. Like it's not modernized, quote unquote, but it is kind of refined so that combat doesn't take too long. Um, it's got a lot of style to it, pizzazz, and they also like find ways to reinterpret um, tropes of the genre in creative new ways. Like as I said, with the job system, but also summons are part of an app on your phone called Poundmates, which your characters originally mistake for a very different kind of service. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's actually the one thing, because I know you mentioned starting Yakuza or something like that. So did you get it? Did you purchase it? What's that? You have not gotten yet like a dragon. Have no, you? I haven't okay. gotten like a dragon yet. I might still have to caution you, though. Because one of the things about this game is, like, the first night I played it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I finished chapter one. 30 to 60 minutes later, I finally got a chance to save in chapter two. Because it's that much cutscene. Like, when it gets into cutscenes, it's like Metal Gear Solid. It might get into cutscenes for a while. You might be sitting there for a while. Um, Interesting. Especially early in the game. But, um, so, it, like, when it comes to, like, how I know your time can be with playing games and access to the systems it might not be conducive especially when this is a game that's definitely not for kids and also i'm not sure how the wife will take it because it's thus far technically cleaner than some of the previous games have been but it is still a game where the narrative is definitely like it's early days it's early stages but there does seem to be a theme regarding the outcast of society. Um, you, uh, your, your character gets into the middle with like a home, like, he's basically left for dead. So he wakes up and he hangs out with some homeless for a while. And it gives you this element of feeling more em empathetic for homeless people. Um, and then, you know, you get to befriend a woman that runs a brothel for women that are technically illegal immigrants that you know have no other option because they can't exactly go back to where they were from um then you have working at a soap land which is also a kind of brothel and the character was born in a brothel his mom ran away but then everyone at that brothel you know raised him kind of a thing so there's a lot of being in that element and i'm not sure where you know 
that kind of thing since. Again, like again, it's like there you, there hasn't been much in the way of racy content like you might get in some of the previous games and a lot of the side. It's just themes largely thematic. It's largely thematic. Yes, which I think it's. I, I, yeah, I don't think that'll be a big issue. Also, I was planning on playing it mostly on my Vita at our Brown Remote yeah. Play. I'm actually so. I'm trying to looking at upgrading my remote play rig to not be the Vita because <laughs> for whatever reason I it's it's spreading through all my games only through remote play. I can't turn right. Like I was having this issue in Destiny. With Destiny yeah. And it fixed itself at some point and then I was ha I'm having it again. I just can't turn right. Turn left, look down, and then eventually looking up goes too. So I can only look down and left. So you got a weird crick in your neck, kind yeah, of. Yeah, basically, I can't look right. So it makes it makes some games virtually impossible. So you can't really play Destiny on the Vita at this point. Yeah. Other than you know getting going to the tower, getting bounties, etc. Um, or instead of turning right, you just turn left for a while. I just turned. Yeah, I'm Zoolander. I just. Oh gosh. Uh, so yeah, so it's kind of so I'm looking at um, a solution with my phone. Or maybe getting a, a small tablet or something specifically dedicated to that, and like getting the attachment so I can have a use. I actually use a real controller or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So I don't know. So that that's my hope for. It might actually be better than the Vita for some games. It might to, to have a to have a setup like that. I could. I mean, I could theoretically have a bigger screen, the full controller versus you know the Vita with this like weird hack thing that. Let's be have triggers and yeah. all that. So that that might be if I'm kind of been planning on playing through some of my backlog, you know, hit Persona, maybe play uh, Yakuza like a dragon, Yakuza. Yakuza. Uh, Yakuza. The great thing about starting it on PC is it has a little splash screen, it's like real Yakuza use a gamepad and I'm like, Yes. <laughs> it's like counterculture. It's like I'm gonna play on PC but I'm gonna use a gamepad anyway. I there's certain types of games I just can't imagine playing with keyboard and mouse. This is definitely one of them. Um, the funny thing is I did try and play a game called Bullets Per Minute uh, with the keyboard and mouse because I could tell it probably would be better with a mouse. Keyboard's just uncomfortable, man. I can manage it with a game like Phasmophobia, which I should probably talk about a little bit. But I can't really manage it with like a faster paced game kind of a thing. Okay. Yeah, so since I'm, you know, I'm like kind of old school PC shooter, it's still it's still really pretty natural for me to anything with... Uh, Are you sure? When was the last time you used a keyboard and mouse to play a game? I played a little bit of a couple years ago, whatever it was on, whatever the latest Unreal Tournament was. Uh, Three? A beta, whatever it was. I don't know, it was something, it was like a... It was like a free beta that you had to download. It, Epic was using it to push their Epic Game Store. So it may have been a few, several years ago at this point. I don't know. But I played and I was totally fine. I don't think that was an Unreal Tournament then, because Unreal Tournament 3 was a long time ago. How long ago? Uh, PS3 ago. No, nah, no, nah, it wasn't. It was, it was an Unreal... It was some kind of Unreal Tournament. Um... Then it got canceled, man. Maybe it got canceled. Because Epic Game Store is not that old. But uh, I'm looking. I'm. I've got my phone out here. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was maybe it was just like a tech demo. 
something like that. Maybe but something I, like I played that. it. I had. I used keyboard and mouse. I still had it. It was like riding a bike. I'm sure. Clicking heads. But um, so, do we want to talk about? You know what? Let's not talk about Destiny until we're we have a clearer. Until we actually the played the game. The, well, we played a little bit of it. Yeah, we, we just, we like, fell off. We're, I feel like we're at the good part now. We're all... Are we? I don't know. I, I've heard everybody, all everyone saying that the campaign is solid. And then they've added all of these post-game activities. Like, we haven't touched any of the... We haven't even finished the main story We haven't finished the main, the main story. There's all kinds of activities to do on Europa. Like, we haven't done any of the Lost Sectors. Um, there's another yeah because those are really high level right they're high level there's another new strike there's all of these that I already did <laughs> right you already did it well no there's another, have you done both new and strikes there's another okay so there is yeah, another there's one. another new strike there's all there's a bunch of stuff to do so it just seems like we kind of we we sort of leveled up to where we can do all the stuff and yeah. then we stop well that's the irony is we technically didn't even need to because we tried the stri- the first strike. And we're like, okay, this boss part, like, this is ridiculous, this is insane. And then, you know, I'm just doing random strike playlists one day, which is, like, a lower level. And then, oh, that you one rolls into the playlist. It. I beat it. Which is, It was a lot easier. It's kind of ridiculous to have the... Anyway, there's lots of issues with Destiny. We, we, should, we should have a, a Destiny dedicated one. Again. But uh, speaking of Destiny... Uh, there's also... I've been playing The Avengers... <laughs> Which, speaking of live service models, yeah. Speaking of, of live service models, so this is this is a game that I feel like this is going to be one of those ones where it's sort of like a case study and how to just totally botch a home run. Like this should have been a home run. Uh, the, even, I don't know about okay, that. even if no, no, even if the combat was not hardly any better. Like, if the, if the combat was... The combat is serviceable. It's okay. With a little bit of balancing, it could be better. Um, with a little... You know, there's... It's not far off from being good combat. Um, but so... You know, you have the, the story... The overall story is, is good. It works. Um, it's a you know, Avengers disassemble type storyline. Um, and then reassemble. And then reassemble, obviously. And then disassemble again before reassembling. Before reassembling, yeah. You gotta, you gotta have the disassemble, reassemble, all that. Um, so yeah, you've got you got a core story. The Once, you, once you've been playing the game for about an hour, you get used to the, the stunt doubles uh, that are the main <laughs> characters. Uh... Uh, and some of the like, I don't, I don't hate the the sort of subtle differences. Like Tony Stark, the more you look at him, he's not just generic video game protagonist man. I feel, you know, I, I, I see what you mean, but at the same time, the, he might work better if it wasn't for the fact that it's Nolan North. It's Nolan North, yeah. So, so he, he is generic he, video yeah, game exactly. protagonist man. In fact, he might look like Nathan Drake, but with a beard. When you think about it, yeah, a little bit. I feel like he doesn't have what it is. He doesn't have that like that like super square jawline mm. of the. Uh, anyways, they, 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 they so like what you have is you have a good core game. You have a solid game, right? This is this, when you think about a, you know licensed games. There's a solid game. 
The story is solid. I you could have gone. I think they made a, a maybe they. I think they were overconfident in putting too much of the weight of the story on Kamala Khan rather than on the actual Avengers, where they thought they would sell billions of copies of this game no matter what they did so they could take some risks with the storytelling. I don't think that paid off. Not at all. Um, This game single-handedly prevented the HD console games division of Square Enix's finances to go in the red. Yeah. If you look at their earnings call, Uh, without Avengers, they make a profit. Final Fantasy VII Remake made a profit. Trials of Mana made a profit. I know they released other stuff this year. I just can't remember. Made a profit. Like... And Avengers just... I mean, obviously... Obliterated everything. Obviously, this is... I mean, this is a... This is a triple-A game. Uh, Was it delayed over a year? Was it supposed to be last year or was it always early this year? I think it was earlier this year. It wasn't delayed. It was like March. Something like that release. Okay, it was was March. It It was not one of the 2019... Yeah, I don't think it was a 2019. Yeah, so it's so it's an overall good game. Which what they screwed up. So there's a couple things I think they, they did. Some of it was a a sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing, and I think that has to do with the matchmaking issues. Is because they made it a live service game, which was their first mistake, yes. rather than just making it a straight game. And then also what they did is they added competent. Uh, AI and allowed you to play the game without doing matchmaking. So what that means is for anyone who wants to play with anything other than the AI there's never going to really be strong matchmaking because... There's going to be a good portion of people that are just going to go with the AI and not bother. Right. Like if you're doing... So you can pick up bounties and other things as a live service game to do. If you're doing bounty completions... You know, kill X number of enemies with this attack. It's or just, just easier to do right. it solo with AI. Right, exactly. You're, you're going to do it solo. You're, you're with AI. So you've created a live service game with no reason for people to play it with other people. There's also the only... Co- well, there's limited cosmetic options where if you really want to customize your character... First of all, you can't. As you pointed out to me, you basically have two different options just in different colors well three have, yeah there's basically three different three, options. yeah then you it, but you have to buy each individual color yeah it's, which doesn't feel great yeah the, the skins are really limited so like and they're not yeah there's basically three designs then with palais swaps and the other issue with that is that the designs aren't even particularly iconic or interesting yeah, like, like the, when people and I were talking about, and I brought up Marvel's Spider-Man on the PS4. Now, not only does that make Marvel's Avengers look bad in that you had such a variety of suits, including the, like, 1960s cartoon version, they're all for free. They're all in the game. You unlock them by playing the game instead of buying... Like, I think there's yeah. probably a couple microtransaction ones, but for the most part... You play the game and you get the yeah, costume. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. There's a fairly limited number of suits you get from game progression. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, you have to buy them, and they're not as good. Like, 
so yeah, the Spider-Man example does a great thing because you get all of these, some prominent, some not very well known, comic book Spider-Man suits. Yeah, that are cool. Uh, you know, the Scarlet Spider suit or the, you know, the Punk Spider Punk or whatever else. Yeah, like. and referring to the movies, they refer to different comic right. eras. Again, you have the 1960s cartoon. You have like the, the black and white Spider-Man. I think like you have a whole bunch of different ones. And, and Avengers. So even the, some of the suits are goofy. Like there's Hulk in a suit, um, that sort of uh, what? Oh, man, I can't remember what they called him during the Gray Hulk era when he was like a mob enforcer. Mister Fixit. There you Mr. go. Fixit. Yeah. Um, they, which evokes that, but then it's still it's not quite right, and it just doesn't doesn't have the charm. Uh, yeah, it's just sort of lacking in charm. So it's. I think maybe that's what the the big problem is. Other than putting together, I think a really, I think the the cutscene of the story and some of the scenario design is really good. I think overall it's a giant mixed bag, and I can't help but wonder if the beta was actually one of the worst things they could have done, because I know I myself especially was like I don't want to buy this game. Um, I yeah. played it, and the combat was not satisfying. It just wasn't... It didn't convince me. And like for for what brief moments I liked the writing of the story, there's also plenty of, like... Maybe I'm old, but I really don't care for this fangirlish freaking out. Like, And, of course, I'm also old enough that she's talking about writing fanfiction about real people, and I'm like... I'm uncomfortable with that concept. Yeah, it's but a that might weird. be that might be you know I have the gray in my beard. I'm old. I'm I mean, I think it is a little bit weird that the you know the so when you, the actual story is she initially meets the Avengers before the whole A Day thing because she was one of the finalists in a fan fiction com contest for fan fiction about the Avengers, it's, and it's just kind of like it's it's just a weird concept. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah. the so like I was thinking about the combat. So and the the story, the the level design and stuff. So some of the levels really aren't great, and others are really good. So Black Widow's level stands out as actually having good design and teaching you how to play Black Widow. So my initial thought was, and this is one of those things that just goes totally against logic and common sense, but whatever is, okay, I'm small and fragile, I have guns, I need to, like, get, and a, and a grapple, a grappling abilities, so I need to be able, like, a hook, grapple hook, not, like, grappling, yeah. like, jujitsu. Um, also grappling, like, jujitsu. But, <laughs> so I need to, I need to get in and out with quick strikes, I need to kite with the guns and get in and out, quick strikes, and all of that, and it was just really not working to me. Or initially it worked, but then the game sort of forces you into fighting in close quarters, which is when you realize, oh, Black Widow works best if you just get in a rhythm with with combo, dodge, combo, parry, yeah. combo, like grapple to the next enemy, combo, and you just and it's actually a lot I, of fun. I think that's the shame of it too, because in the beta, I think I enjoyed Black Widow the most when it came to just a brief time you got to control because most of the beta was uh, Ms. Marvel and Hulk. Yeah. And Hulk especially was disappointing, but part of that's because of the 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 uh, 
dissonance between you are Hulk and you have regular human-sized people taking a huge fist to the face and barely flinching. But, you know, you play Black Widow and it's like, oh, this is closest to character action. This feels good. And then I'm in a very, very, very formulaic fight with the uh, Taskmaster. Yeah, and that was that was the issue too with, with Black Widow in, in the the demo the was that yeah. the tutorial, the beta, whatever it was, is that all you get is basically that boss fight, which doesn't speak to Black Widow's strength, sort of moving between multiple enemies and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's just the game's kind of it's it's weird because in terms of polish and production values, in general. It's all very well put together, uh, very, very smooth, and all that kind of stuff. But then, in terms of the actual content, it just is such a mixed bag. You, you watch, so you watch me do that boss fight against the, yeah. against the giants. It was really, and all I could think of actually was, you know, you know, I, I was just basically thinking back to like Halo Two and Halo Three and how they had the scarabs. Yeah, and it's like it's the same kind of boss, but. A lot more interesting, especially in Halo 3, where like Halo 2, it's all scripted when you board the Scarab and fight through it. Halo 3, you do that yourself. Like it's a yeah. thing on there with the 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 Covenant spawned in there already, and you just board it and you fight it and you break it down or something, or you oh, shoot no, it. That Halo, that was one of my favorite moments in Halo 3 is with the Scarabs. I, I remember yeah. I remember hitting a jump and jumping my little thing. Right into the right mongoose, on, or then my mongoose, yeah, on it with my friend. We were playing co-op on the rocket thing, and we're like shooting rockets inside of the scarab, driving the thing, and then we get out and blow it up. And yeah, but that's all that kind of stuff. We're, we're you like, could also do vehicles and blow a scarab up from the outside. So like you had options, but that's also right, like, and, and then this was just like, yeah, okay, it's it's a it's, it's a three cool, phase, it's three phases, and it's more and more bullet spongy with every phase. Well, right, not even more and more bullet spongy because it's like. Disable the, destroy the vents. More and more vents you destroy gotta blow more vents. up. Yeah. Destroy more vents. And it's, it, it sort of, it, tar, it turned being Iron Man fighting a giant spider tank into a chore. It's like flashing back to what I was just saying about, what we were just saying about Persona. And like, you take this good idea, but instead of complicating it or adding new twists, you just make it take longer. Yeah, you just and it's that same idea. And again, like the funny thing that I realized, you know, again, like the more we talk about it, it's like this. Like, it's kind of weird to say, you know, they should have looked at what Transformers: Fall of Cybertron did, because that's what really this game needed to be. Because Transformers: Fall of Cybertron is you're just you're different robots. You're fighting between the you, you are switching between Decepticons and. Autobots, but it's like one level you're playing um, side swipe. No, so not side swipe, but like you're playing like one of the smaller guys, right? Like Jazz and stuff. Jazz has grappling hook. He grapples all over the place. Another guy does like stealth. He's going in, into the the the, uh, the the air ducts of the level. You know, you have one map where you're playing Starscream flying through the different level. You have a level where you're playing the Dinobots kind of a thing. You play the not Devastator, which is a bunch of the Decepticons that combine. Now you're like huge and just trash into different Autobots. Like each character plays differently. And while it's also a product of its time in that 
It's Activision and Activision saying you need these Bayhem Call of Duty moments. The game as a whole does really well by giving you different kinds of experiences for different characters and really capitalizing on what the Transformers are, which is an ensemble. Hmm. This game, by being a live service, needed to take you out of that element. It needed to balance characters that aren't balanced. So they want you to co-op, because that's the thing, they want you to keep coming back, they want you to play, they want you to level up. But most of all, they want you to be a whale that's going to pay money for skins so they can get all that extra microtransaction money and all of the money spent, because that's one of the reasons this game put them in the red. All of the money they spent on these servers, on this time of development trying to balance for multiplayer, trying to convince people on this end game, if they had just made an 8 to 12 hour campaign where you were, you know, stealthily playing as Black Widow, doing instant KOs in one level, before then jumping to Hulk and smashing through buildings, crushing the big guys, you know, like enemies that you might have had trouble with as uh, Iron, uh, I don't know, as Marvel or something, that now you're fighting multiples of them as Hulk and smashing them together. Like, that, I guarantee you that would have sold. That would have been the Avengers game people wanted to play. People didn't want Avengers as a live service, and that's, I think, going to be one of the things by having people play as the Hulk and feel how ineffective he was, that would have driven people away. I think that's, I think that, that if I could say what the, the, the most representative failing of the game is, it's playing as the Hulk. Yeah. You play as the Hulk, and you're like, huh, like, why? Or, or even when you get into Iron Man's Hulkbuster armor. Yes. You laugh when he says, who are you going to call? Hulkbuster. No, your six-year-old laughs because your six-year-old's too young to know any better. That's <laughs> funny. It was funny. No, it's not. It was funny. It was awful. I felt bad for your children. Every time every time somebody says, who are you going to call? I say Ghostbusters, okay? So... Yeah, but it's not, that doesn't make it funny. Well, it's funny to me. That's because you have hipster hair. Come on. That's not even... <laughs> come on. You and your man bun. It's more on. like it's more a dad joke than a hipster man bun joke. Anyway. But then, right. When you beat Hulk, this, are you... Playing Hulkbuster. Sorry, I'm going to say, when you beat this, are you going to finally uninstall it and put Ghost of Tsushima back on there so we can finally play that instead? The... Oh, you know, I got Ghost of Tsushima on my other PS4, so I, we can So we can finally co-op that, baby? I'll play, I'll play Ghost of Tsushima. No one guys... will sign on for that. Destiny, we, he'll be like, Ugh. If you guys finish the Halo 2 campaign with me, I'll play Ghost of Tsushima. I'll play Halo Legends. 2 with you. Well, it's going to be only two-player. I'll play Halo 2 with you. Though. I mean, Destiny. Oh, Destiny 2? Okay. The Destiny campaign. Well, we'll have to take it up with Nolan. He's going to say it's bullying, but... But, anyway, so so that's that's Avengers. Um, I mean, that's been... I played a bunch of other stuff. Minecraft Story Mode was... Um, was the... Uh, Minecraft story mode was, you know, Telltale at its most Telltale. Um, I, I played that recently. Uh, my with kids the kids. Are, with the kids, yeah. I the got kids to watch some all of the, the Minecraft and Fortnite currently. So Fortnite is a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah, don't... You know what? It's bad enough you mentioned... In fact, let me edit this out. Let me, no, no. <laughs> but like, let's not mention it. You, I mean, it's just a joke, so I want to make sure that's clear. But when you mention letting your kids play that, 
the first thing I wrote in my Discord was, I'm calling child services. Like, You're going to have to call child services on a lot of people. Yes. It's, it's Fortnite is the Facebook of video games. Okay? No, no. Fortnite is... Is it the Twitter of video games or is it the Facebook of video games? I think it's games? the Facebook of video games. Fortnite is the Facebook of video games, okay? Because I don't know what's bad enough to be the Twitter of video games. I don't know if Fortnite is comparable. I don't even, yeah, I don't know what community is so horrifically toxic to be the Twitter of video games. But Fortnite's the Facebook of video games. That's just, that's enough. That's enough. It's, it's, it's a, I mean, I don't know about the community stuff, but it's just, it's just a bad game. Like, there's, there's ideas, so I got played Apex Legends a little bit. The idea of a battle royale game isn't all bad. I played Super Mario Brothers 35. I can tell you it's not all bad. But the 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 execution of Fortnite, the movement feels bad, the weapons feel bad. Cuz remember this was originally a survival yeah. game yeah. where you were supposed to build defenses and then fight enemies and it failed at that. It failed at that. People did not like playing it like that. The because the weapons element. feel bad. The the only redeeming quality of the game is actually the creative mode, which allows you to build. There's a creative mode you can build your own levels and stuff, and that's uh, actually. You know what? That's going to be the big one of the big reasons it got so big. I guarantee you. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody really plays it that much, but it's it's actually really. Like, I, I figure all the little tweeny boppers are going to be playing that or something like that. I don't know. But the... I, I Is actually, that why your kids play it? No, they don't play it. Nobody plays a creative mode. I'm telling plays. you. Oh my goodness. We've, we've messed with it, but we have not The creative mode actually has some really interesting... Some, some cool tools. You know, we built some interesting, fun stuff that, you know... Um, so it's... So that's about... Because it's not, it's not like Minecraft creative. It's like, you know, here are all of you place unit types and other things. And then you like... Press play and start the level that you built. Essentially, um, anyway, it's that's the only sort of redeeming thing about it are those tools, which we we know we we had some fun with building stuff. But yeah, I just other than the fact that they dump all kinds of money into making the trappings interesting. So you know, like this season was the Avenger or some kind of Avengers thing, and Galactus yeah, yeah, yeah. is coming to eat the world. And there's all kinds of Avenger stuff all over the map. Yeah. And Avenger skins and all that. I could play as Thanos or something like that. He's in there. Oh, no. That was that was when that Infinity was cool, War. Yeah, that yeah, was that way was back. Like, yeah, yeah, that was a couple years ago. But but that kind of stuff, I just don't understand why you would play Fortnite when there are actually good games to play. Nolan. Hot Nolan, take. Nolan. Nolan. When you hear this, when you're listening to the podcast and you hear this, I want you... To have a retort on the Discord forum. I want you to have a retort on the Discord forum. Anyways, uh, we just did two games that you've been going through. I'm going to jump into um, two very similar games uh, that shouldn't take a lot of time to discuss, really. Um, I had a sudden windfall, so I was able to get on sale Hades, and I was able to get Sakuna of Rice and Ruin. Hades I was originally not sure about because it's a roguelike slash roguelite. And I'm usually kind of mixed on those. And it's funny because, again, BPM bullets per minute. Another roguelike. But because it's more of a 
first-person shooter rhythm game, I'm not playing it for completion. I'm playing it because I like the music and I like the sound of shooting and reloading to the top beat of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Hades, I've got some mixed feelings because it's got a good combat loop. And because of a lot of its um, roguelite elements where you are able to invest in character growth and stuff and getting stronger over time, it does get easier to go through some of the early levels again and then to get to the later. But it's like I've got to... I, I got past the halfway point, according to Nolan and Zach, and... I died, and it's like, I have to fight the two bosses all over again. I have to do all of that again. And it's like, it's going to take me a little bit of time to get back to that. And that's like one of those things where it's it's a really fun game to play, but I need to get myself in the mood to just want to play it and not necessarily need to progress through it. Hmm. That's, I guess, how these roguelike, roguelike games are. Because for me... It's kind of frustrating having to do that, even though it's basically about the arcade combat, really, right? Right. I mean, that's kind of... It's, it, it's interesting. So, I've actually been playing this roguelite phone game, and I almost feel like that's, like, the perfect... The, a mobile game is almost the perfect implementation of a roguelite-type style where you just play and try to get further than you got last time. And then when you die, you upgrade, and then you... Which makes it easier to get further next time. Which is easier, and then you just play it all again until you until you get through, until you, like, well, this one has, you know, there's, there's all different, there's like 50 levels to each uh, section. So there's multiple sections. So once you beat one, you don't have to go back to it, but you still kind of, it takes you like 10 tries to get yeah. through a single section, at least 10 tries maybe in some of the later yeah. ones. But yeah, but so I, I feel like that's, so I, I chafe a little bit at, I mean, I guess it's on the Switch, so it's kind of mobile. Um, but I sort of, I sort of chafe a little bit at the idea of, Doing that as your sit-down console on the couch game kind of a thing. Right, not like my, I'm sitting here bored for 15 minutes while waiting for my oil to get changed or something like that. Yeah. And I'm just gonna, yeah. Yeah, I can see that too. Now, it is still fun, and I'll still get through it. And that's the thing, like, I have no doubt, because, like, my first time in the opening area, like, the first boss took me about four tries before I finally beat him. A lot easier the next time. The second, by the time I reached the second boss, it only took two tries. Um, so you know, I, I I have full confidence I'll be able to get to the third area again. But it's like the 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 play sessions get longer and longer as well. So it's like this is going to take more time. It's like I'll get get there eventually, but I'm not exactly in a rush. Um, but the other action game was Sakuna of Rice and Ruin which was revealed last year's E3, and they presented it on the Nintendo Switch during the Nintendo's Treehouse event. And this game is a Japanese indie that I think was only two developers, maybe a little bit more extra staff. And it's just surprising in a lot of ways. Um, The action combat has a little bit more depth than it first seems. 
Like, it's not very complicated. It's very easy to get into an air jump cut. But that, well, that's part of it. It's like the basic combo is just button mashy. But again, if you know what you're doing, you can like hack, 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 press upward, and you can continue a combo up in the air with air juggling. And then once that combo's over, you can use the little scarf thing to do a Devil May Cry. Right? You do like Nero and Devil May Cry, where you use the scarf thing, lash out at an enemy, and either pull yourself over to the other side to them, or then you pull them over kind of the thing. So there's like ways to extend the flow of combat beyond some of the basics. Um, now I learned that there is a parry move that's basically just pressed towards the enemy when they're about to strike, when they're about to land a blow. That's a little bit iffy, especially as things get a little more chaotic with some of the enemies. Um, the dash is like a press twice real right, rapidly. Okay. So it's like some of the dodging options, like I'd rather a button, but um, otherwise it is a really fun game where you don't level up traditionally. All of your stats are tied to the quality of the rice you are growing in your field, which means you want to get, like the first year it's just basically item collection. And you could cook things every night that will help increase your stats for the next day. Um, will help give you things like healing as a trait. So you're, you you want to go, the, the basic flow is you want to go out, you want to f explore, fight things, kill things, collect the loot, and then you take that loot and it's either applied to your dinner or by the second year, you're applying it to the fertilizer. And then the fertilizer gives boost to the rice that you're growing. So you're leveling up by growing rice, basically. And that's the area that's a little iffy because... Like, I'm used to Harvest Moon, where it's very much like, here's your grid, and it's designed that you plant everything in that grid almost mechanically. Here is a lot more freeform, and I think the biggest issue is when you're trying to go, like, in a straight line planting the rice, the camera automatically starts to pan uh, to the side. So next thing you know, you're starting to move backward in the diagonal, and you're not getting a straight row. And stuff like that. So it's a little more freeform. It's a little. It's not so like machine, I guess you could say, but it's still interesting, and it's not like the most time-consuming thing. It it helps give you this pattern, and it's a very quick addi addictive pattern where it's like, okay, you wake up in the morning, you you might check on the rice, you might gather some stuff, you might upgrade some gear if you can, and then you go and you explore a cave or two and you fight things, um, and then you come back, you check on your fields again. You cook dinner, so you have boosted stats and boosted healing the next day, and then you repeat the process. Um, and then, like you, 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 you harvest the rice. You hope it doesn't rain that much, so you can let it dry. So then you can bundle it up during the winter time, kind of a thing. Like it's, and each season's only got three days, so it also moves at a decent pace. Hmm. But it's a, it's a really fun game. It's uh, a little bit more laid back than Hades is. But I think that's for its benefit because it's like it gives you enough of the action, but then enough of this sort of relaxing farming. And during the dinner scenes as well, the characters will converse with one another. And it's really interesting because they have a, a, a what's supposed to be like a foreign missionary woman that's, you know, joined with mm. their characters. So it's like a fake Europe and a fake Japan. They're by different names. Right. But the like her faith is clearly inspired by Christianity. Um, and of course theirs is very much their traditional, I don't know if it's Shinto or Buddhist, but it is definitely Eastern religion kind of concepts. Of, um, yeah. 
but you have like these sort of you have this kind of exchange of ideas and it's handling it in ways that I'm really surprised for a game of this nature like it's like I wasn't expecting anything it said you weren't expecting like well you also weren't expecting it to be like oh like this game actually handles religion and well yeah because it's talking it's basically talking about like the the woman gives her story of like yeah me and the preacher that i was with because the 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 idea is the country is experiencing like a famine and Mm -hmm. famine has led to war and everything so it's really kind of a crappy place to live right now but she's like talking with her and this preacher have been coming around and they're like trying to preach about the you know their god but then the people at the temple don't like it, and if the people at the temple, because they have so much status, don't like it, then the rest of the people don't like it, and, you know, they'll throw stones and other stuff. And then the conversation ends because she starts cracking up, because she's like, in every country we've been in, no matter what, people have thrown poop. And she's like, that's the only thing they have in common. <laughs> so it ends with, like, a bit of a laughter and a bit of a light note, but I'm like, this is kind of interesting to be reading about, because it's, it's just interesting. It's... It's unexpected, but it's very tasteful in how it's done kind of a thing. So, it's definitely, yeah. So it might be, It's on the Switch, so it might be something it that is. I, both, I grab at some point. Both Hades and uh, Sakura. I've, I've been wanting to play Hades, but I just have to... I, I like Bastion, I like Transistor. I didn't play the other one they did. The basket soccer one, whatever it was, like the weird rugby basketball soccer. Yeah, I, I never played that. I never played that. I didn't get to play. Well, I started Transistor, and I, I can't remember at this point what it was, but there was something about the combat that I just did not like. The combat took some getting used to, but I want you. There was, it was a little weird. For this, sure. this for me feels like you know, this is everything Bastion did well. But like really polished, really a lot better than what Bastion did. So, so I think we have one more thing we need to talk about because we should probably be wrapping up, and that's The Witcher Three. <laughs> you mean how I haven't played it in weeks, and I just started a new game in Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, which might be the fifth or sixth time I've done so, because <laughs> this is the third time I've bought the game. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just really disappointed. I know, I know. I think, I think you just you, you need to you need to just get a little bit into the game, and then well, you won't be able well, to stop. Again, like we've discussed this, part of the problem, and I okay, I don't want to say it's part of the problem. I it's because it's a mixture of things. Playing White Orchard on the harder difficulty was a blast. Everything was just lethal enough without being too lethal. And the Griffin fight was pretty exciting, you know. The me needing to actually understand the mechanics kind of a thing in order to fight the the the, the Wraith the Well, in order to fight the Griffin, I liked that. By the time you get to the next area, everything is so much higher in level, and there's so many quests that are higher in level that I I'm not and and I was doing a story quest, actually, because I was like, okay, they clearly want me to do story quests before I do side quests, which goes kind of against my nature. But it's like, okay, do the story quest, level up that way, and then start doing the side quests. And then I take a side passage where there's these, like, invisible kind of enemies that I'm like, oh, wait, do I have to use this ability? And I'm dead. Mm. Like, trying to side So it's like, at by the time I got to, like, the real chapter, you know, the real part of the game, I was like... Okay, I guess I gotta knock the difficulty down, and that kind of takes the wind out of my sails. Cause I liked that first 
opening White Orchard on a harder difficulty. They just did well, not. Well, I think I think it was probably. I, I I don't recall too much. It's been so long, but I think part of it is probably that the the that being the introductory section, playing that on the harder difficulty, it's is always probably going to be, be easier, like yeah, it's yeah. gonna be easier. It's probably gonna be more like playing on normal as uh, in other sections. So I do need to turn the difficulty down, but at the same time. Part of it is a mixture of what I had played before it and what what came out before it that did things that I liked better and also what's come out since then. Like the ability to just... Ghost of Tsushima will have had quite a impact in that you could be on your horse just riding around and you could pick crap up. Yeah. That's something this game needs because it does the Bethesda thing where everything... Like, I, I see the level editor in my head where everything is marked marked as a chest. Oh, that flower? That's a chest object. And this right. is what it, it stores like inside a, yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. But so and, that's why I'm saying you need, to, you need to just get into the story a little bit because where the strengths, where it's it hasn't been exceeded by anything else in this generation is the way it tells the story and the way that the player has agency in the telling of the story. And so when you look back at something like Ghost of Tsushima... I'm playing Yakuza games, man. You're going to have to really... Like, maybe from the Western games, you know... Well, but see, this, there's a different kind of, of player agency, though, because I haven't oh, Definitely, played, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I haven't played any of the Yakuza games. Um, it, it's... I think it's the way that you can... You can run a, a story, you can run a, like a, a section of the story three different times and make three different choices and get three different endings. And at the end of each one, you're like, I feel terrible. <laughs> and that's the thing. I, that's, I, I like that. That's cool. But that's not necessarily, that, that's going to be best for what they're going for because I've played a lot of games with a lot of really great stories. Most of the time they are from Japan. But... That's the, I mean, that's the thing for me, and especially because no matter what this game does, it is in competition with every video game when it comes to, like, greatest story in a video game. is always in competition with the original Final Fantasy Tactics, which just, even the very beginning is like, what's, what's the story in the very beginning about? The aftermath of a bunch of people going to war and getting nothing for their efforts. And being treated like dirt because they're commoners, even though they just fought as hard as anyone else. Like, that's... That's the beginning of that story. Right. A, man, the video games. The, yeah. That's yeah. The Final Fantasy Tactics. Like every that's why it's like every press journalist is like, we need video games to grow up, man. It's like, shut up. Shut up. The perfect, yeah. mature, grown-up story video game exists and it's called Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, I mean obviously like what what, what the Witcher's doing is is different. And now I've talked it up too much. But I think so. I think it is lot, different. You're right. Well, that's because well, a lot of times, a lot of times we have these conversations about about choice in video game and about morality systems in video games. And Witcher Three does and a lot of those well. Is what it does. What it is, yeah. So, but and it always ends up being this binary, this binary good evil. You get the good version, you get the evil version, um, and etc. And what The Witcher does is it takes that and it puts. It's not. Um, I don't know any handful of games that have. Give you dialogue choices with no real consequence. Yeah. Um, but it it does so everything you say and do has a consequence. 
but there's no binary value assigned to that. Yeah. Well, so the, the the end result of you know how you handle a quest is you know when you're in when you get to a important you know story point. Okay, who's gonna show up to help you? Or you know, are you doing this mission solo because you were a total jerk? To all of your friends, are you doing this mission with like these people? Or are you doing the mission with these people because of how you did it? And there's never any like, there's no value assigned to yeah. it. It's just that this is this is your these are the choices you made, and this is where you ended up. Like, as, and I yeah. think that that's what makes the game work. Where the combat's fun. Um, there's there's a. At this stage, I feel like the crafting and the customization is a little bit intimidating to think about. Um, but I'd have to go back into it. I mean, yeah, so much of the menu tells you what you need in order to craft something, and that's where, like, and this is where you know, because no one especially is getting all my case because I linked uh, what was it, Immortals: Phoenix Rising, uh, the skill up review because it seems like okay, it's 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 definitely ripping off Breath of the Wild. But it's a bit more conventional in its design. Weapons don't break. <laughs> but then at the same time, like I'm thinking, you know, of Witcher Three, and it's like, you know, what the nice thing about uh, Breath of the Wild was? There's a bunch of different stuff you can collect throughout the environment, but there's like six classes of crafting item. So it didn't, or cooking item, whatever you want to call it. So as long as it's a type of a thing you can make a consistent recipe. Like, oh, I have eight different items that contribute to a fire potion. That helps me, like, stay It doesn't have cold. to be the exact Yeah, specific. it doesn't have to be the exact yeah. And that's where, for Witcher, it's the exact specific thing you gotta get. And it's like, ugh. That's, but that's, like, one of those things where, again, it's like, because I played Breath of the Wild before I played this, I'm going to make that comparison. Because I played Ghost of Tsushima before I played this, I'm going to think about, you know, running on horseback and just picking stuff up. Um, Dragon's Dogma came out first, but I'm always going to think about that combat before I think about Witcher 3's. But, like, the, the, I, and this is where I think... This is where I think, like, I could basically find it. Because I do want to play more of the game. I don't want to just abandon it. And that's why you started your fifth playthrough on Xenoblade Chronicles. It was on a whim, and dude, I... It's my favorite game I never beat. Okay? <laughs> because it's another 100-hour-long investment. And yet... I mean, you're talking about big... It is... that That's a whole other discussion. Like, have you ever touched Xenoblade Chronicles? I have. I actually... Uh, I think I might have a like 40 hour save on Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii somewhere. So you know it's a good game. Yeah, it's a good so, game. Okay. Um, but the. the to, to, to roll back to what I was saying, you know how after we played the original Destiny for a while, one of the things that I said is I want Dragon Age Origins era Bioware, not Bioware after Dragon Age Origins. Mass Effect 1 and Dragon Age Origins Bioware. I want that Bioware and Destiny Bungie to get together and make a game where they both work on the lore, but then where Bioware handles the writing and the story, and Bungie handles the combat. If you get the like that era of Bioware and you get that kind of Bungie, 
working together, you will have one of the greatest games ever made. Unfortunately, that era of Bioware is dead and it's never going to happen anyway. Witcher 3 would be the same. Like, if you take this storytelling and the, the quest design of Witcher 3, but combine it with the combat and monster AI and everything of Dragon Age, uh, Dragon's Dogma. Dogma, then you got the best RPG ever. But until then, it's not, and that's actually that's going to be the problem. Is when I, you know, when I eventually am like, you know what? Let me boot up Dragon Dragon's Dogma for the first time in a while, and then I play that instead of Witcher Three, because I've been itching to get back to Dragon's Dogma. And, and then I start sending, you start getting uh, threatening letters in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> play Witcher Three magazine cutout. You you just send a picture of like your eldest son strapped to a chair, forced to play Fortnite. It's like, play Witcher 3 or the kid won't be allowed to stop. Yeah. Uh, this would, will be the would, only game he knows. He would be really sad about that. Um, that's a joke. Uh, yeah. I was going to send you pictures of Henry Cavill. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I, on that note, so looking forward to finally finishing Persona 5 so we can talk about that. Yep. And probably playing Yakuza like a dragon. So we can talk about that. Yeah, uh, that'll be interesting uh, to see if you play be my that. first Yakuza game. Yeah, so like we got to come up with some kind of a schedule. Because uh, we got to do our Persona 5. We do have to do now our Revenge of the Sith. Um, at some point we're going to have to do The Mandalorian Season 2 once that's done airing. Uh, there was something else I think we mentioned in here that we were going to have to talk about. Uh, maybe Destiny again. Oh yeah, we got to do another. We got to do Destiny uh, once we actually play it. So, so right. we've got a bunch of stuff that we're going to have to do into the new year, and of course we're going to have to do our you know year end wrap up. Um, so uh, we got a lot coming up ahead, but at the same time uh, next week because I've been on my Twitch a lot more lately. I've been trying to stream. I've been trying to get a good feel for streaming. I actually did a bit of an art stream. I drew a sort of caricature of my buddy Zach. His screen name is Phoenix. All both the Discord is Phoenix and his uh, Twitch. So I did, I did and he, you know, me and him going to events, he usually cosplays as Booker DeWitt from Bioshock Infinite. So I made a picture of a Phoenix bird that looks kind of like the Cocoa Puffs bird uh, dressed up as Booker DeWitt. And ah, okay, so, that, that, that makes sense now, okay. that Now the picture makes now sense. Now the picture makes more sense, yeah. Um, I like so, the design anyway, but the, the, the outfit makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. So I had an art stream where I was doing inking and coloring of that. And um, it was my first time doing an art stream. It was interesting. But most of the time I'm doing video games. Me and him are doing every... Well, we'll probably have been beat, beaten it by now. Uh, we did every Wednesday with Halo 4. I want to see if me and him can do River City Girls next. I haven't actually brought it up. Maybe we'll see. But um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because on December 10th, I think we'll aim to start at 8 o'clock. Uh, me, my buddy Zach, and my buddy Joey were all going to do a live commentary of the Video Game Awards. Now, this is going to be a mistake because I've just started my first week of work on this contract. And those go, you know, those go till like midnight. Yeah. So I'm going to be sleep deprived the next day. But we're going to do our um, live commentary... And I'm going to try and make sure we don't do too many hot takes. I want it to be mostly like we'll discuss our thoughts on the game nominees themselves in the pre-show. 
And then during the show, I wanted to be reacting to mostly the announcements. I don't want to have a lot of trash talking of the... Uh, Fortnite and The Last of Us 2. Stuff like that. Winning. I don't want it to be like a lot of the... Tra- like, I don't want it to be like kind of humor you see on Twitter kind of a thing. I do want it to be good discussion, but we'll see because I can only rein in those two chuckleheads so much. But Thursday, uh, December 10th, 8 p.m., twitch.tv slash ramblepack64. And, of course, ramblepack64.com for more, all the blogging and links to my YouTube. And, of course, links back to A. Steve, more episodes. So, check all that out. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And have a good night. Have a good night.